0: Hello everybody, welcome to The Auspicious Entrepreneur, an internet show that inspires and equips business leaders to realize their fullest potential. I'm your host, Matt Stanley, and for more than 20 years, I've been helping businesses thrive using the technology of the internet. In every episode of this show, I'll be sharing priceless marketing strategies you can leverage in your business to build and grow an amazing company. This episode is part three of a series we're in called The Entrepreneur's Guide to Navigating Transition Like a Boss. And after the Daily Inspiration and Word of the Day segments, I'll be sharing the second half of a recent interview I did with business leader and entrepreneur Jordan Hodges. During today's show, he shares about how effective and profitable companies must adapt to changes in the marketplace without losing sight of their core vision. And he also delivers very practical steps you can take to help your organization weather the storm of uncertainty in our lightning fast paced and rapidly changing world. So it's going to be a great show, guys. Now, for today's inspiration, we're going to hear from three people. The first is Leo Babuta, and uh, that quote is, do what matters now. The second is from Oprah Winfrey, who said this, doing the best at this moment puts you in the best place for the next moment. And then finally from Bruce Lee, Knowing is not enough, we must apply. Willing is not enough, we must do. So from those three daily inspiration quotes, you can see the direction we're going in with today's show and that is really that change is something we cannot avoid and rather than be obsessed about the future, we just need to make the best next decision which will set us up for success and making sure that we're not just getting so focused on learning and growing and professional development that we don't actually do anything. 80-20 Eighty-twenty 20 rule, right? Good enough is good enough. Let's go to market, good enough, and we realize we can always grow and improve, but we need to take action, and we need to take action right now rather than procrastinating and waiting for our next big idea. Now, today's word of the day really goes along with that, and the word is inexorable, which is an adjective, and the definition is impossible to stop Or prevent and as you've probably guessed that word inexorable goes along with and is referring in this episode to change itself it is impossible to stop or prevent some synonyms of that of course are unavoidable inescapable inevitable and interminable but the bottom line is none of us can change the fact that change is built into business and so we may as well embrace that and um, you know make the best of it okay so with that, I'll go ahead and queue up the second half of our interview, which is coming up next. Let me ask you this question. What helpful tips or strategies can you share with our listening audience that's facing their own kind of challenges, specifically in the realm of transition or, or finding themselves in a place in their industry or their market or even just their demographics, uh, you know, their geography, where they're needing to adapt to circumstances outside their control that they couldn't foresee? So... A classic example of this, I'm actually going to reference a company that doesn't exist anymore that had an amazing opportunity to propel themselves into even greater levels of of effectiveness. But they just, again, they actually lacked that vision. They couldn't really see the handwriting on the wall, and they're no no longer around, and it's blockbuster. Hmm. They were the king in their market. They were absolutely no question. They really didn't have many contenders, and they dominated that video rental industry. But then what happened? The internet came out, and Hmm. and then what else happened? Streaming was a thing yeah. and they had an opportunity where they could said, okay, wow, time for transition. I don't know what to do with this, but this is where it's going. And if we don't adapt, we'll die. Well, they didn't adapt and they did die. So there's a lot of times in business when we find ourselves faced with a situation and go, okay, wow, I didn't see that coming and I have to make a change. What am I going to do? What would be some practical tips for people in that place where they realize uh, maintaining a status quo is not an option because we won't be around 10 years from now if we don't change. Right. But we don't know what we don't know and realize this is like uncharted territory here. It's, you know, we're on the USS Enterprise and, you know, our charter is to go explore new worlds unseen and unknown and it's like, well, what does that look like? So what would be some advice for people that might find themselves really living this out and going, I don't know what the heck I'm going to do, but you got to do something <laughs> different here.
1: Oh, man. Um, I know it's a big question. Because, yeah, that, that but, is a big question. You know, I would, I, I would just first of all, I want to encourage your listeners that this—I don't know if it's encouraging or not—but maybe we can just all relate that we are living in a world that is changing so fast today. Oh, it's true. I mean, it is so fast. You, you know, let's just back up 50 years ago, and I would say the pace of change was so much slower. Right? You could get away with so much more. You know, just your general Ace Hardware store, you know, was just the staple, and you know, burger places were just all pretty basic and. Um, you know, sure. Maybe one stood out more than another or whatever, but today everything is so aggressive, so competitive. So, I mean, highly competitive. I think of retail sales and, you know, different things. And I mean, you just have to be on the cutting edge all the time, razor thin margins, you know, and, and trends, things will just shift instantly. And if you don't shift with it, there's, you know, Huge things that can be left on the table, right? Big pieces of the pie that can be left on the table. Absolutely. So anyway, I would just say to encourage all of us that we're all in this boat together, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe one big piece of advice I would give people is this. And, And it's cliche, but it's true. The only thing constant is going to be change. But I think successful business people, successful leaders in general, they put the mission they're trying to accomplish, right? That big thing they want to build before the how they're trying to build it. Okay. And so if you have if you're going into something with I'm you know I'm getting into this because I like this way of living or I like this way of doing business or I like this system or this structure works for me. So I'm gonna, you know, get into insurance. Let's just use insurance. Well I like that. You know, well there's only like I mean that could be more, but I'm thinking maybe four you know insurance companies that still operate on that. You have your own agent and you know, and he sits in an office and deals with all of his clientele and the rest are they're you know, undercutting you with apps and technology and all these different things. Right. So sure. just to use that as an example, if you went into insurance sales because you like to have in your own office and being that guy that directly managed people. Well, that may not exist in 10 years. Okay. But if you go into that business going, I want to provide quality insurance to people that need it at a competitive price so that their you know, future is secure in the event of an accident. That mindset is completely different, right? You're not hinging on a system or uh, a way of doing business. You're hinging on something bigger than that. And I just think as as entrepreneurs, we need to have the big picture in mind. I'm trying to provide a, a value to people. I have something I'm passionate about providing. And I realize that the method and the way that I package and deliver that to people is going to change. We have to understand that. It is going to change. There is not an industry in the world that is that is untouched by change, right? So sure. Absolutely, change. We, we it's gotta change. So you've got to have something bigger than the method that you're going in with. You've right. got to have something that you're passionate about and then expect change and get get passionate and get sold out for providing people with something that adds value to them, right? The best companies in the world. Have have a mission. I think of Coca-Cola. I recently heard somebody talk about Coca-Cola. They have a vision to put a Coca-Cola in the hand of every person on the planet. That's their vision. Wow. That's their vision. And you can go to to Podunk, you know, wherever on the backside of Africa. And there I've literally heard stories of guys that they were off. They were off paved trails For hundreds of miles, dirt roads, and they came across a hut that had a generator running in the back. And when they came up to that hut, that generator was powering a refrigerator full of (laughs) Coca-Cola. I kid you not. I mean. That's amazing. So that's their vision, though. That's their vision is to put a Coke in the hands of every person. That's a big vision. Oh, it is. So here's the thing. They've had to transform, scale, tweak, shift, every kind of manufacturing You know, sales strategy, management strategy, distribution, everything you could imagine, I'm sure has changed so many times it's ridiculous. Yeah. But their vision has stayed strong, right? To put a Coke in the hands of every person. Yeah. So whatever it is your vision is, if you're going into business trying to get rich, <laughs> you're probably not going to get rich. But if you go into business wanting to help people, there's a great upside to that, right? Because people want to be helped and they're willing to pay a premium for something that's actually going to help them sure. from somebody that actually wants to help them. Right. So that's kind of the the tension in the paradigm of business. If you go in just trying to make a buck, people can taste that, smell that, They pick that up. And I just don't know that you're going to be successful long-term. But if you go into business, I I like to say it this way. I think true success, no matter your industry, it happens at the crossroad of vision and need. Mm. It happens at the crossroad of vision and need. So I can have a great vision for something, but if nobody needs it, I'm up a crick, right? Because great, you have a vision for something that nobody wants. Wonderful for you, you know? (laughs) That's great. Take I don't want that, love to that though. Yeah. yeah. But if there's a need and you have a great vision to fulfill that need, I think you're going to experience success. Right. And obviously there's other variables, but if there's not a need and a vision, I don't know that there can be long-term success. So I, I think we, we constantly have to come with vision and vision should answer a question for people. It should meet a need for people. And if you're if you have a vision that's compelling, and you're offering a service that's great, and it's meeting a need, I think you're always going to have some level of success. That's just a trifecta, of perfect
0: business right there. Yeah, the yeah.
1: intersection of a vision and need. Yeah, awesome. You find success.
0: Very, very cool. I want to circle back to something you said earlier. You, you, uh, and, and this might have actually been when we were talking before I started recording, but you had mentioned that great leaders. Um, when they find themselves in this place of self-actualization, this is my paraphrase, realize that it's, there's things that we need to let go of. Yeah. You, uh, you mentioned something one time uh, on a Sunday morning, and I'm going to make reference to it because I'd like to have you explore that a little bit uh, for, our, for our listeners, which is there's this thing. And again, you know, a podcast is amazing technology me because you could be on another continent and getting value. So realizing that I'm just getting started, I'm doing this, but for those of you that are listening here in the local uh, area where we're at, the Treasure Valley of Idaho, there's this, there's this festival every year, it's been a long how many years now, called the God and Country Rally, and it is just an amazing time where we celebrate our great nation, we celebrate the principles it was founded on, and we have, you know, food trucks and vendors and concerts, I mean, hours and hours of just this amazing celebration of our freedom and our country and God. And then there's one of the best fireworks shows maybe in the state of Idaho at the end of it. Yeah. So anybody that lives here knows about this thing. And, and uh, if you've attended it, you know how amazing it is. I, I've attended it. But for some time, Jordan, you were a point person on overseeing that. And I don't remember how many years it was. I'll have you talk about this in a second. But it was two or three years consecutively of just directly overseeing and stewarding mm-hmm. that. And you, you came to this point of realization, especially as we were looking at getting the Boise campus going, where you went... I've got to let this go, to say yes to this thing over here, which I really feel I'm called to do, i got to let go of this. And you shared that was actually a pretty difficult decision because it was something you really loved doing. But that's a great example of transition, and I think making really good long-term decisions, good short-term decisions for long-term gain, especially when it's really hard because this is something that you love. So can you kind of flesh that a little bit for us and talk about what that was, what that was like because I think that directly ties into our topic. Sure. Yeah. The God Country
1: Country uh, Festival is actually the largest free gathering um, in the Northwest United States. And it, it was all of those things. It was faith and, you know, uh, it was community and honoring our military and government leaders would come together and we would, you know, support them and encourage them and lead people to do the same and celebrate, eat a lot of food, fireworks, music, all that.
0: Right in the middle of summer, right? Yeah, right in the middle. Yeah. It
1: was, well, it was actually right around the Fourth of July. So okay. Fourth of July celebration. Yeah, there so, go. That makes sense. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's in the, in the heat of the. It was always as hot as hell every yeah, time it was. The, so,
0: it was. I remember joking, joking. "This is hell." But else I saw here, here. <laughs>
1: yeah, lots of square guns
0: and misters going on.
1: Yeah, but. Yeah, so, you know, something that I loved, it had a great community impact, uh, It's something that kind of brought me a sense of fulfillment outside of, you know, my other, my other things that I'm, that I'm championing. And I was just a volunteer, I mean, um, you know, partnering with that event and helping to champion leadership in a couple of the areas, and they asked me to be the executive director of that, and which I did for, for a few years. I think what I referenced was actually a great resource for your listeners. If they've never read the book, Necessary Endings by Dr. Henry Cloud, one of the great leadership minds of this generation, I can't speak highly enough, and I know we'll probably touch on this at the end as far as some resource, but he's written several books that have impacted my life in a crazy way. Um, but he, he writes along this this premise that um, in order to keep moving forward in life and to see you know ultimately the most success you ought to see, we have to get used to endings. And not only should we get used to them, but we should actually view them not as a negative thing, but as a necessary thing. Okay. A lot of times we view endings as negative. Sure. When the reality is, is they're necessary. Now, they could be necessary and negative, right? <laughs> sure. but, but the reality is, the reality is, is they're, they're oftentimes necessary. So where I was at in, in my specific season was I had my hands in a lot of cookie jars. You know, we had a lot of things going on. I recently stepped into um, kind of a lead role in my organization and, you know, I'm now overseeing, you know, 70-something staff members and, you know, a dozen direct reports and, you know, all these other things. We're getting ready to start another location. And uh, there was, you know, property acquisition and build-outs and general contractors and fundraising and team building and staff recruiting and, you know, everything that goes along so with that. So
0: It goes into that, sure.
1: While we're, you know, dealing with, you know, the other parts of the organization as well. So I think there are seasons... And leadership in general, and again, in my context, I I work in the church world, but I think there are seasons in leadership where you have to lean into something for the sake of advancement. Mm -hmm. And so in those seasons, they require more from you than other seasons. And I think there are times when you have to reevaluate your life. I think this idea of balance um, not to contradict what you said, but I think that's a hot word right now. That balance, we've got to find balance because we're all stressed out and, you know, sure. we're all anxious and I'm on medication. And, you know what I mean? Just trying <laughs> yes. to survive, you know? They're either, sure. you know, taking out a van or drinking or, you know, or like we're just trying to survive this fast paced world. I think balance is that, is a unicorn. It's cute and it's, it's, we all would love that if it could exist. But I think if you're going to live in this wild world of, you know, this entrepreneurial world, you have to realize that balance isn't always the goal. You know, sure. I think health is the goal. Uh-huh. And um, I think just looking at your life overall, you're trying to be healthy, but you're trying to accomplish something, right? Sure. Like and that. so for me, I realized some seasons of my life are unbalanced, right? They're unbalanced. And I can't stay that way forever, but they're they are unbalanced. They require more of me. They require, you know... 70% of my life, my attention, my weight, my energy has to go into this thing. So the scales tip for a season, but yeah. it was strategic, right? I did sure. it on purpose to accomplish something. Right. Now those scales have to tip back at some point, right? My family can't sustain that forever. My, you know, a lot, of, a lot of successful business people gain a great business and lose a great family. So for me, that's not an option, right? So I realize I'm leaning into something for a season, but I'm also... I mean, I know that's going to be a season and I've got an exit strategy from that and I've got, I've got a plan in place. So I also realized I have to offload certain things at certain times in order for me to be able to lean in at that percentage that I need to for it to be successful. Right. So in this particular um, instance, I had to drop something that I loved. I had to resign my position from that, even though I loved it, but I knew what it required of me, but I also knew the season I was going into. Uh-huh. So I think it was necessary that that come to an end for me to be able to have the bandwidth I needed to boot up this next phase of, of you know, what, what I'm passionate about doing and what I'm called to and the organization that I'm with. So there are times, I think, when we have to make a decision that this would end. Now, for some of your listeners, that may be, um, that may be one product. Maybe they have three products and they realize, man, the upside on these other two are so much greater And the need is so much greater, but we're spread so thin with this third product. But, man, we we get 20% of our revenue from that one product. But what's the upside? You may need to cut that so you can go all in on these other two products to see great success in the future. Absolutely. So um, I I think, yeah, to answer your question, I think sometimes you do have to end certain things to create bandwidth because it doesn't matter how high your capacity is you still have a lid, right? Every, oh, every, sure. We're still human, right? Yeah. Um, even some of these superhuman entrepreneurs that are listening, the reality is you have a lid and there's some things you're going to have to cut. And then, you know, always create an exit plan to be able to, to lean out a little bit, but prepare for certain seasons, offload and get rid of other things in certain seasons so that you can, can do what you need to do. What helps me determine when those, you know, what those things would be and, and when they are, for me, boils down to vision.
0: Does this fit with that, right? Is this yeah, aligned th- with that? Because this is the guiding principle, if you will, that's the, in the DNA of what we're on this planet to do. And if it if it complements it, if it fits it, if it's if it if it's part of that puzzle, great. If yeah. not, we have to just say no, right?
1: Yeah, and, and I think what are you trying to do? You, you know, there's going to be opportunities that come around. There's going to be times and decisions that you you have to make you there are going to be times when you've got to make a decision to go to go all in on something, right? Yeah, to, sure. to throw the whole weight of what you're called to do. And I think those seasons are strategic. Mm-hmm. They are careful. We don't end things prematurely or do away with a good thing. Even the right thing at the wrong time is still the wrong thing, right? That's so true. make sure it's the right time. Make sure that you're being wise. But I think at some point, again, it comes back to that decision paralysis. You've got to make that decision. To try not to be everything in the season and then you, you don't end up, you know, doing anything for the long haul. So that's true. That's um, good. Yeah, you make decisions. And for me, it boils down to vision. What am I really trying to do with my life? For me, it was easy because this was the time for the next phase for the thing I'm most passionate about. So the other peripheral things go away. For me, it's always going to be my church and my family. Now, I may may have two or three other arms, you know, two other irons in the fire, whether it's different businesses or things like that, community efforts, traveling, speaking things. Those things can diminish in certain seasons so that the other things can stay strong. Mm -hmm. So for me, I knew with this specifically, I was the executive director of God and Country. I'm the lead pastor of Christian Faith Center. I'm a husband to Amanda Hodges, and I'm a dad to my two sons. And I knew that if I kept all three of these things because of the investment I needed to make in Christian faith center, I knew that either God and country was going to have to suffer or my family was going to have to suffer. And so for me, it was easy because I have clear values that I made a decision a long time ago. These are areas I'm not going to compromise. Yeah. Right. I'm not going to compromise my family. And for me in my context, I believe in calling and I believe in having a primary passion. And so for me, my family is my number one calling. I'm not going to build a great business, build a great church, and lose my family. That's failure to me. And I would encourage business people to be of that same mindset. I love
0: that. That's um, good.
1: I, I, I get sick and tired of seeing guys achieve great success in the business world, and their personal life is an absolute train wreck. Yeah. Um, to me, that's a travesty. So for me, I'm always going to be a great husband, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be a great leader to Christian faith center. And in the season, those are my priorities. So that meant something else had to end. Awesome. Yeah. Well,
0: I think it greats, it takes great uh, wisdom and maturity to be able to just say, you know what, again, what am I really here for? Why am I on this earth? What is my mission? And how do I need to stay true to that regardless of how much fun these mm-hmm. other things might be? Yeah. So that's amazing. I love that. I want to talk a little bit now about that process, what that looked like of getting into that position of lead pastor. I mean, you know, we've got really between all the campuses, hundreds of people attending and serving and leading in this organization. And so real quick, if you could just take maybe even a couple minutes and talk about uh, what that transition looked like in terms of um, you probably didn't go straight to preaching, right? You probably were ushering or greeting or serving as a volunteer in some capacity before there was ever any leadership. So what did that look like? How quickly did it happen? And uh, did it surprise you? Is it something that you kind of saw coming or was it, was it kind of a surprise? How did that all kind of fall into place?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely a process. And it's, it's not even something that I feel like I can, I can you know, take credit for. I always had a sense that, that I had something deep down in me where I knew that I was called to do something great. Uh-huh. And, and I think any entrepreneur has that sense, like, if you know, that, hey, there's something in me. Um, and as a leader, I, I always had that in me. But again, the process of that coming out, right? Every dream, has, there's a process to it. Oh, yeah. You know, most business people have went bankrupt. Most successful people have experienced failure, right? So the process has been much longer. But to me, I give, I give credit to a couple things. I, first of all, I give credit to uh, the great mentors and leaders and people that I've had in my life. So for me, again, I want to go back to those great people that, that I've been so, I'm so blessed to have in my life. That have set me up for, for success, taught me, grew me, gave me opportunity. Trusted um, you? Trusted me, absolutely. Practice what you're preaching with delegation, right? Absolutely. And yeah. so, yeah, did I start at the bottom everywhere? Absolutely. Yeah, I've never been given a, a top spot anywhere from the get-go. Matter of fact, my first job in our organization now, the Christian Faith Center, was the janitor. Oh, fun. Scrubbing toilets. Yeah, I scrubbed (laughs) toilets while I was going to school and I was managing a small business and cleaning the toilets at my church um, for next to nothing, but it helped me pay for school. And my wife and I were both going to school and we were studying, ministry um, leadership and, um, you know, Bible college and those type of things. And I had stopped going, my boss before that had invested in me and, you know, was putting me through school to, to be an engineer. And, you know, I was interning under one of his senior engineers and different things. So I've had people willing to invest in me, and there's this adage that says, you know, if you see a turtle on a fence post, you know he didn't get there by himself. And so I like that in, in the in, but I like it. <laughs> in many ways, I feel like the turtle on a fence post, you no know. Kidding. So All right. um, where people have set me up for success. Yeah. And, um, you know, I believe in destiny, I believe in calling, I believe in a God that orchestrates those things too. And so for me, I believe that there have been instrumental things and being a person of honor. And respect has positioned me to take advantage of the opportunities that have come my way. So I would say be humble, uh-huh. you know, but but also work hard. And, yeah. and you know, um, again, in my context, I'm a pastor, so I love the Bible. Uh, it's kind of a good thing. <laughs> um, but, you know, the Bible says to, as a young man, especially as a young leader, it says to show yourself approved. Uh-huh. Right. That we should work hard to be an example for other people that I would show myself as an example to be one that knows what they're doing, knows what they're talking about. And so um, for me, I've just worked hard. Um, I've I've, you know, stayed humble to the best of my ability <laughs> um, and and just kept that vision alive in me personally, kept my own drive alive in me personally. So for me, at least in Christian Faith Center, it's looked like um it's looked like leaders positioning me for success and, and elevating me and then taking advantage of new opportunities, being brave enough to step into new roles. Um, but I also, I tell, you know, I tell even younger leaders, this than me, I always tell them the distant, you know, the, the gap between your desire, your calling, your, whatever you want to call it. And the, the fulfillment of that is preparation. And so for me, I've always been a person that has prepared in advance for the things that I want to step into. Um, Which I believe has been one of the very things that's opened up those doors for me. So I was always ready ahead of time for those opportunities. I had prepared for them, I'd studied for them, I had grew in the background before anybody gave me a title. I was doing those things, growing in those things, preparing for those things, you know, believing that they were going to come to pass. And I was ready for those opportunities. So a lot of people, especially today, we want opportunity, but we don't want to do the preparation. We don't want to do the hard work. We don't want to take the classes, go to school, prepare, do it when nobody cares, do it when nobody's paying you. I'm leading things, volunteer organizations, you know, doing this stuff already. And then when people in positions of authority, they're looking, they're going, okay, who's out there? There are people looking for people that are ready. There are opportunities waiting for people that are prepared for them. So I just say prepare in advance. And And I tell young leaders that
0: prepare in advance Pre- prepare your life for opportunities and you're more likely to find them oh man that's so good I feel like I need to take a, this interview break it down into chunks and, and make maybe a whole oh, series of this one interview that's so good so many tweetable memes are popping up in my head yeah I like that I like that I think a lot of people just expect especially like you said earlier given this bizarre culture we live in today I mean I'm, I'm gonna be 43 here in about a month and in just my short lifespan, I've just I've been amazed at what the internet, what the internet, and then the byproducts of that invention have done, in terms of just transforming our society. I think that we do live in a microwave kind of society where people want what they want and they want it now. Because this person, and that person, has been a millionaire, you know, in the first year they went right. on YouTube, they think, well, I can do that, but they don't realize, okay, but it's there's it's not something substantive. I mean, yes, there may be a sensation, but what is it? It's all smoke and mirrors. There's nothing of value there. Yeah. And so I think that a lot of people miss character, and they miss integrity, and they miss value, and they miss serving people as a core value because they want the fame and the fortune. <clears throat> yeah. But they don't want to do the hard work to get ready yeah. to steward that responsibility, which is a huge mistake. Yeah. It takes
1: hard work, and that's what I think we've forgotten. Yeah. You know, there are people who have made entire careers out of selling you know, how, to get, how, how to make six figures overnight how to with, with very little work, and, and it's bull. The reality is it's all bull. Nobody's really doing that.
0: No. Nobody's
1: sitting on a beach in Mexico, you know, making 500K, letting, you know, Amazon fulfill orders. The, the guy that invented this is tickling the ears of a generation that wants to experience success with very little work. And uh, he's sitting on a beach in Mexico yeah. you know, selling a pipe dream to people, you know, yeah. and maybe there's a handful of them and good for them. If they can make a half a million, a million, two million dollars sitting on a beach in Mexico. Crap. I don't know very many people that wouldn't do that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, sign me up, Matt. Yeah. But the reality is, is is the vast majority of the rest of us are working hard yeah, <laughs> and absolutely. grinding it out and doing our best to build something that that's gonna that's gonna meet a need in our world that's going to provide for our family and that makes a difference you know and so awesome. i think just preparing our hearts for the hard work that it's going to probably take longer than you want it to take it's going to cost more than you want it to cost and that's just the way it is
0: but the payoff is so worth it but it? it's worth it it's, it's worth so it true. if you're doing what you love to do yeah and of course the fruit of that is going to be that you're going to be a blessing to other people and you're going to have a legacy to be, leave behind to your kids and and the your tribe, right? So the tribe. there's this, there's a really popular book, I can't think of it right now, about build your tribe or something. And that's like you said, it's a it's a huge buzzword. There's multiple books about that. Absolutely. But it's a real thing. And if you know, people are watching us and they're following us and they're listening to us, and we leave behind our own echo and our imprint on the world. And it's important to realize that we're here not just to accomplish our mission, but we're here for what comes after we're gone. Yeah, true. I personally want to leave behind a legacy that I can be proud of so that I have something that, that outlives me. And that's what I live for. It's not just what I'm doing today, but what, what I'm doing today and how that's going to impact my my world and my influence 5, 10, 20 years after I'm gone. Yeah, that's good, man. Awesome. Well, we're getting close here. Before we close it out, I want to give you an opportunity to, um, to share a couple more things. Um, I know that you're a, a huge reader. Uh, you're constantly reading and listening to podcasts. And so... Are there any specific, you mentioned one earlier, we'll come back to it just for our listeners to write this down. Any, uh, any resources, books, podcasts, or tools that have been really instrumental in your, your kind of transitionary process and leadership that have been really uh, life-changing for you that you'd like to share with our listeners?
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, man, there's so many. I, I'm, a, I'm a huge reader. Um, I use Audible and I, I listen to a ton of books. I would say just specifically regarding the topics that we focused on today, I'd really like to highlight for your listeners, Dr. Henry Cloud Mm -hmm. uh, is a great leadership voice and um, just a great man of wisdom. He wrote a book called Necessary Endings that if 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 your listeners have not read, they need to get that book and listen to it. It is absolutely phenomenal. He wrote another book as well called Integrity integrity. And it's all about business and leadership and and doing that with integrity that I I believe is a must read for entrepreneurs.
0: Um,
1: And then um, another book that I think is great. It's got just a little taste of spirituality to it, but it's really just mainstream and leadership driven. It's called C3 Leadership. And it's by an author named Brad Lominick, who was the the founder of uh, Catalyst, which is a leadership uh, and spiritual conference. Um, But his premise is these three H's, which is humility. He says, humble, hungry, and hustle. Humble, hungry, and hustle. That I just think is a great message for uh, just business leaders of keeping the right heart, working hard, and uh, being creative.
0: Awesome. Very cool. Thanks for that. Well, um, one final piece here before we uh, say goodbye to you is we've come to that part of the show, which is a very important part for me. Because I love to learn, but if I don't know what to do with it, then I find that to be a little frustrating. Mm. So this is where we call the application or call to action. Okay. So what I'd like you to do next is just taking this concept. We talked about a lot of things today. We talked about leadership. We talked about transition. We talked about professional development. We talked about self-actualization or self, self-assessment. Mm. But what would be some specific practical to-do items that you can give our audience if they wanted to give themselves some homework here to put into practice and help them implement this around the issue of transition? Sure.
1: Well, I I think around the issue with transition specifically, there is something that needs to change in every one of our lives. (laughs) There isn't a person that's listening to this right now that doesn't have something they need to change. Um, But here's the reality. Change isn't change until there's change. Right. So we think about it a lot. We talk about it a lot, but we don't do it a lot. Okay. And the older we get right, the harder it is sometimes to make change. Sure. So I would just say one of the big, very practical things people can do is to go over something that they've been thinking about changing for a long time, something that's not working. Where's their frustration? Where's their cog in the wheel of your business? Where's that piece in you emotionally? That's not healthy. That's, you know, causes you to blow up or has been a lid for you and, and make change. Uh and, um, if you don't know what that change is, maybe talk to somebody, reach out to another business person or a leader in your life, find a mentor, talk to your spouse, you know, whatever. But I think most of us, they know what we know what we need to do. We're just afraid to do it. Uh, and I, I would say, don't let decision paralysis, right. Happen, right. Decision paralysis takes out a lot of people make that change, take that day off, take your kids out to ice cream, hire that person. You know, make, make that shift in your schedule. Do whatever it is you need to do. For some people, maybe they need to work a little harder. They need to put in some more hours. They need to go a little, little bit a little bit more into what they're Push doing. Push more. Huh? Push more. But make the change. Write things down that you're working on. Create a self-plan. One thing that I do every year is I put together a document of all the things I hope to accomplish, and I break it down professionally, spiritually, and relationally. So, these are the areas. This is what I'm trying to do. Some of it is take certain classes, read certain amounts of books, address this in my family, tweak this. Here's how I'm going to be a better husband. Here's how I'm going to be a better leader. And I make an actual plan so that I can track and keep myself accountable to that. And those things are not broad, they have an action item next to them, right? It's read X amount of books, it's figure this out in my schedule. Yeah. And and then I I look personally, too. I think your business is is typically only going to be as successful as you are healthy. And so at least for the long run. So I look at things like, okay, I'm dealing with more anxiety now than I usually do. How am I going to fix that? So I'm always looking at actionable items that I can do. And I'm very intentional to actually execute them. So on a very basic level, everybody could think of something right now that I need to change. They just don't want to do it. right? (laughs) They just don't want to do
0: it. Yeah. Just like practical as it gets, just do it, man. So real quick, I want to, I want to take that uh, thought and I want to ask you kind of another question. What role would you say that coaching and that mentorship, what role would you say mentorship and coaching has to play with that plan being effective? I mean, we can all make great plans, but if there's no accountability because we're accountable to ourselves, that's kind of like the the Fox watching the henhouse, house, right? So how important is it to add that ingredient of, of accountability with a coach and a mentor that wants you to succeed but realizes in order for that to happen, you've got to be willing to make those hard decisions and even painful changes. How important is that to this, this action plan you talked about putting together, actually being realized or accomplished?
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, for me, if you're not a disciplined person, um, I, I am an incredibly disciplined person in many areas, not in every area, <laughs> but in many, but in many areas. And I think people that are successful in business and leadership, they, they, they have the ability to discipline themselves to get things done, right? Sure. So I don't look as, at mentorship as enforcing change to me as much as I look at mentorship and coaching as highlighting what needs to change. Their job is to show me the way and to point out things in me that are not the best they could be. My job is to then go make change. It's just like in my organization. I don't hire people that I have to tell them how to do it. I tell them what we're trying to accomplish And if they're caliber, they'll figure out how to accomplish that thing, right? So, and if not, then I've got the wrong person. I don't view myself as somebody that needs my hand held, right? Um, And so I'm not recruiting coaches and putting people in my life that I'm like, I need you to hold my hand through this process. I value your insight and your wisdom. I'm giving you an inside look into my life. So I would say the coaches and the mentors actually help shape the formation of the list, but it's my job to execute the list. Now, if I'm unsure as to what might make change, then yeah, I might glean from that. I might say, well, how do you think it's best for me to see growth or transformation in this area? But I think most of the time we know that, right? We, we know that there's a conference, there's a class, there's, a, there's counseling, there's whatever it is that you think that's going to meet that need. But it's my job to take that and to run with it. It's their job to point it out and to encourage me and to instruct me and to help me know that, man, if, if you just took care of this, this is an area I see you could lift the lid 10% on your life. I'm the type of person that's going to go out and find the best solutions to the things that are going on in me. So I would say, have your coach and your mentors help you cast a bigger vision for your life and create an actionable plan, but then be the type of person that wants to change. Because here's the thing. If you want to grow, if that's your desire, you're going to find a way to grow. Yeah, You're going to find a way to grow. If you don't want to grow, there isn't a mentor or a coach in the world that's going to get you to grow. That's because true. they can't make you do it. They yeah. can't. So you need to figure out. Sometimes we need to figure out what it is in us that doesn't want to grow. Maybe we're too tired. Maybe we lack vision. Maybe we're not passionate about what we're doing anymore. But, man, if you don't want to grow and want to accomplish, you're in the wrong business. You need to go, you know work for somebody else else. or whatever, you know, but I would say most entrepreneurs, they want to grow. They want to scale. They want to be successful. And so we're not lacking the desire. We're oftentimes lacking either the boldness to make the change necessary, or we're lacking the right coaching and mentorship to even know what changes we need to make.
0: Awesome. Wow. feel Like I got a whole plate full of enchilada rice and beans with that answer. I love Mexican food. Mm, Me too. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) That was really, really good. Wow. Thanks so much for that. Well, before we uh, close out the show, uh, how can people connect with you if they want to get your help with coaching or leadership or consulting or public speaking or anything else that they might help with as an entrepreneur? What's the best way to reach you?
1: Yeah, the best way to get in touch with me is probably just through my website, which is jordanhodges.com. And uh, there's information regarding me and um, forms to contact me. All my social media is jordanhodges with an X at the end, X. Okay, And that's Twitter, Instagram, um, my Facebook public pages. Everything is Jordan Hodges X.
0: And the last name just for people that don't know how to spell that is H O D G E S. Yep. So, well, thank you so much. This has been an amazing show. We've got a lot of great stuff to think about and, um, I'm really excited to actually put this into practice in my own life because I've got a lot of homework to do now (laughs) and digest this. So thanks so much for your time. Appreciate you. This has been an awesome show and, uh, Just excited to watch the future of your journey as you move forward and what all God's called you to do. Thanks, man. Well, hey, it's my honor. You're a great host. I had fun. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Auspicious Entrepreneur. If this content was valuable to you, please help us out by leaving a review and clicking on the subscribe button for easy access to future episodes. I'd love to get your feedback on this show as well. So if you're listening on the Anchor app, please use the send voice message feature to share your input. Until next time, remember my cardinal rule of business, A, B, C, Y, D. Always be chasing your dreams.